0: Is the diversity of me keeping it real with me, Tanya Rai? In this episode, you will hear me talking to a guest about their top three ways that they live by the ethos of keeping it real. But what does this mean? I hear you ask. Well, there's no single definition for keeping it real, it means all sorts of different things to all sorts of different people. What I do hope you find from these episodes is that they are informative, that they are of benefit to you and that you find some solace in the words that are being spoken. Gus Hurdle is of Caribbean heritage and was a professional footballer born in England and played for a number of English teams. He also represented Barbados at international level. Then he got into making telly, starting off as a researcher and presenter on the Disney Channel and moving between several different roles before exploring the world of freelancing. As a freelancer, he completed contracts as a unit manager, production manager and line producer for a number of independent production companies, with stints at the BBC, Fox TV Studios, now owned by Disney, So Television and Fremantle. Over the last three years or so, he has been working as head of production for Red Bull Media. His CV and credits are impressive. I was introduced to Gus via one of my previous guests and she said, Google him and see what you think. So I Googled him and my response was, bloody hell, he's ace, chuffed that he has agreed. Gus, welcome and thank you very much for your willingness to share your top three keeping it reals with me over the ether.
1: Good evening, nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me.
0: You're very welcome. So before we kick off with your top three ways of keeping it real, I'd like to hear more about how you started working in the broadcast industry because you came via a very unconventional route, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I played football. I, I played football for a living for eight years before I came into into television. Um, and I won't say it exactly prepared me for the, um, for the challenges, um, but... But what it did teach me is is the the work ethic, um, so so it was yeah it was a really really interesting way into 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 TV.
0: And in terms of the work ethic, is that because of the of the training and and the schedules for training and all that kind of stuff that really came into play there for you?
1: Yeah, it was just we. we we trained really hard, and, and the management, the way football is and the way that the, the camaraderie is, is, is that you, you just have to work really hard, and you can't cheat playing football for a living, because people, you know it's, it's people play with, have to play with such passion. So having to run miles and miles and miles over in a game and, and in, in training um, and all of the work that you have to do in that. You know, you're constantly competing, and so by the time I got to the world of TV, what I did have was that work ethic. Working, you know, running four, five, six miles a day, you know, training for ninety two hours, ninety minutes, or two hours, it just put you in a good place. And so I took those elements and you know, uh, and use them, use them as the the sort of the beginnings of 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 how to work. If if I didn't know how to do anything else, what I did know how to do was to work hard and, and give everything that I had.
0: And would you say that it gave you a competitive edge, do you think?
1: Uh, unbelievably so. Unbelievably so. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really difficult to sort of really explain why you'd want to compete with people that you worked with in the world of television. Um, however, what you do want to do is, is do a good job so that you're in a really, you're, you're best place. To get the next job, because what you do understand is that you're only as good as the last job. So, in in as much as if I didn't perform on a on a Saturday and I were to, I were to get dropped, um, you know, that was a very realistic thing in 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 uh, in football. Whereas you didn't, it's not so you wouldn't just get dropped if you made a mistake on a TV show, you know. So, but but what that is, that's that that being dropped element that not being up to scratch lives in you and you cannot afford for that to happen and so you apply yourself in a, in a way that is is not necessarily understandable for someone that hasn't been through that process
0: yeah and i guess actually you could argue that going into the world of freelancing after you did your your first few jobs in telly set you up in that kind of mindset as well as in well I could be dropped at any time if I ruin this gig
1: absolutely I mean I was I was prepared in a way that anybody that I had work, was working with at the time or work with now would, just wouldn't be able to understand you know you could come in tomorrow you know I could go from a football perspective I, if I went into work tomorrow somebody could be gone somebody new could be there and that person that arrived could be in your position you know, or be able to play in your position, and you were constantly having to fight because you you ne- you ne- you never knew. I mean, towards the end of my career, uh, there was a time when a centre forward was playing in front of me at right back because the manager preferred him to me. That was while it was very difficult and upsetting for me. That that was the norm in what in what we did, and so you know, so in, in an everyday training session, you'd be working your hardest to. Trying to outperform him to show the manager that he'd made a mistake
0: yeah and what was it that lured you into the world of television what what made you think right that's a career that I'm going to transition to now
1: yeah that that was really interesting that I, I at the time I couldn't put my finger on what it was I was going to do uh, I had no idea I just knew that I needed to do something else. I knew that I could do something else. It, it was a belief that I had. Um, and I, what I didn't know, I didn't understand how to transition that. So what I did was try to uh, enhance my skills by doing uh, some computer training courses. Um, and I And I did one particular course, which was Excel training and the the guy that ran the course from the union um he sort of said to me what do you want to do and I said oh, I think I might want to try some tv you know I'm not really sure and he said well I know someone and he introduced me to this lovely lady um called Claire Whittenbury at um at the Disney Channel and so after training for maybe six weeks or so two months after training um I would go to the Disney Channel and watch and see how it how it worked and and it was a time when it was clear to me, um, from the manager's perspective, that he didn't really have plans for me. Um, we were close to the end of the season, uh, and I had big decisions to make. But sort of six to eight weeks there, doing doing that, uh, opened a door for me, and and um, and the rest was history, to be honest.
0: Brilliant. It sounds like you are very resilient, and I'm sure it probably was very disappointing at the time to have to make that decision of, right, football isn't going to be the career for me. However, I guess with telly, it is quite glamorous, although I guess in in terms of production management side of things, maybe not so glamorous because you're thinking about the logistics and organising and helping to bring the glamour to the screens in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean it's quite funny. Is 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 there glamour in T V? There is glamour in T V because of because of the things that you get to do and the places you get to be and the people you get to be with um or work for. It's it's really interesting. But um no, I wasn't going to play football in the Caribbean or to play football in America or to play football in any of the other countries that I've been to. Um, and I did have to carry my own passport once I got into television. <laughs> um, I didn't, you know, I do have to remember to print my tickets out. You know, it's a yes, it's a very different, different space. But um, many of the of the skills or a number of the skills that say are transferable. And and, you know, the, the, like I've previously said, just the, the thing to work hard, the desire, the the passion you know, I was able to apply a, a passion that I, maybe I hadn't quite um, found when I was playing football. Um, but, you know, now I'm doing something that I absolutely love. And, um, and, you know, sometimes I'm able to go to places which in their own might have their own element of glamour, although I'm looking after a team of people to execute the content or the programme that we're trying to make. So it's it's many of the same things, but just in a slightly, slightly different capacity.
0: Well, it's brilliant to hear that you're doing something that gives you so much passion. And I no doubt we'll hear more about your career as we're talking through your keeping it reals. Why don't we talk about your first one, which you said to me was understanding and living by the values set by my mother? they are my guiding light through my life that sounds so sweet yeah.
1: <laughs> it was it was really hard when you when when you posed me that question you know i'd listened to a podcasts and 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 i was aware that i had to make these three choices and it was, it was i thought oh, i'll be able to write that down really easily and this one it's hard once you've written this one it's hard to write any more because for me it's the overarching ideal, the overarching idea of how I live um, and how I've learned to live because, because the, when you end up in difficult situations or even good situations, I think that if you're able to apply your true core values, then any decision that you have to make in life becomes easier. Even if you have a difficult experience, I think that if you stay true to yourself um you can answer any you can answer anything any question that anybody or e- you ask of yourself you know and and in the last few years, two three four years maybe I've really understood that and and this 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 year's been a tricky year because there have been some personal issues and um um, and the the BLM stuff the, you know as that came to to light it just it all just absolutely hit home and uh, and I did you know I realized that it was a thing that was there um, and the BLM stuff really helped tune in what my decision process was whenever I came up against an obstacle and so and so that's my number one
0: and what? what kind of values did your mom instill in you what were the kind of the things that you would hear time and time again because i'm really interested because I, th- I i think from conversations i've had with other black people that the the parenting style between black and south Asians is quite similar um i'm, I'm that's a sweeping statement so uh, I, I realise that th- that's not the case for everyone, but I just I'm intrigued t- to know what it what were the kind of things your mum was saying and how how she would apply them.
1: Yeah, well, listen, I, I'm, I'm wondering if you if you took as many licks as I did as a child, a few clips around the <laughs> round the ear holes. Um, <laughs> it was I mean, look, it, you know, it was this thing of treating people, treating people like you'd want to be treated yourself. Um, uh, you know, don't leave, I mean, just silly things that you don't really realise, you know, wash up the dishes after yourself. Don't leave the wet towel on the floor. I mean, it was just a barrage of stuff of not to do's. And at the time, they were just painful. You know, it was like, why is she going on at me? Wash the dishes, you know, iron your school shirts, wash your school shirts. You know, I remember being coming home on a Friday, Friday night, and the ritual was, get all those school shirts off, get them in, get them in the bath. We had a, a juking board. I don't know if, if your listeners know what those are, and especially um, the younger ones, but, you know, I used to wash my school shirts by hand on a, on a board that I would rub up and down. And, and at the beginning, that was just a nightmare, you know, because we didn't have a washing machine. And so that was, real, you know, a real kind of base Thing to learn, you know, ironing my own shirts was really important. I was doing that by the time I was eleven or twelve. Um, you know, washing the dishes. I remember I would come home from um, an evening of, of football, and the rota was the rota. There was no compromising whose turn it was to wash up. The fact I got got in at ten o'clock at night was neither here nor there. You know, I couldn't shortcut that by going to sleep sneakily and then trying to do that in the morning before I went to school. You know, my mum said, wash the dishes at night. And so she was just uncompromising, unwavering, um, but but not cruel, you know, definitely trying to instill something. And, and actually, a, a, a single mother of four, you know, all of us were sort of 18 months, two years apart. Her job was to make sure that we all knew what we had to do um, and when we had to do it and, and there was no compromising and While sometimes I think that was at the time, I certainly thought it was harsh. Now, as a grown man with children of my own, I just I see that as as real guidance, you know, Um, and understand that my position as a parent as a parent is to one to instill values in my children, but two to ensure that they have all of the tools that they need to leave the home. And it's slightly animalistic that, you know, but if, if, you're, if you're a tiger or any animal, if your child can't fend for itself, it's not going to make it, you know. And, and that's kind of how I, albeit quite primitive and basic, that's how I see it. If my young girl doesn't know how to deal with, um, you know, men or deal with, uh, you know, cooking for herself or cleaning then the only person I should be looking at is myself.
0: Yeah, and it's that, it's that work ethic as well from the sounds of it that's, that's driven you from, from, your, from the values that your mother had set you. So it seems like it's all kind of that hard work ethic, not only from football, but also from your mother and, and giving you the, the skills and the tools to basically survive.
1: Absolutely, and I and I, I often growing up when I was when I was doing my apprenticeship and the way that that, that um, the manager used to run us, I often think that you know having to do the miles and miles that we did on a daily level that was easier for sure than dealing with my mum on the war path because the dishes hadn't been washed properly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I Maybe. was? Um, I was listening to Lenny Henry's chat with Louis Theroux so Louis Theroux launched a podcast earlier on in lockdown called Grounded and he he featured Lenny Henry and it was it was really interesting to hear how impactful his mum was on his life as well and a very similar thing to what you're saying there about your mum that whole kind of you know you're going to you're going to do whatever's been set by this rotor and and putting a process in place where instilling responsibility in her children was the f- at the at the forefront of everything that she was doing and i thought that was really really interesting and i wonder whether that's a style a parenting style that is consistent throughout black culture Yes, I th- yeah.
1: I think uh, look, it's really difficult to um, to be sweeping, but I definitely think that Caribbean, you know, because I think you can you can split the Caribbeans and you can Africans and say that the 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 upbringings are slightly different within a single community, you know, and that's that of course has its own merits, you know. But in the Caribbean sense, you know, there generally people's plight was different. The history is different because they were taken as a people. They were taken and plonked somewhere else and, right, you you now need to av- navigate this world, you know. Um, and so that, you know, I mean, really simple things like do you chastise your child, you know. That would have been the norm, you know. People were forced to s- watch each other, um, you know, do something wrong and suffer the master's whip for whatever reason. So, you know, without going too deeply into that, 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 that was, you know, maybe only four generations back in my family, you know, and how you then teach away from that, you know, I'm at the stage now where, um, I don't hit my children, you know, there's no need to hit my children, but, um, my, you know, my grand, my great grandmother or my great, great grandparents were just coming out of sort of bondage, you know, so it's a really, it's, you know, it's taken, what, three or four generations, but some people find it difficult to, to free themselves from these sorts of, uh, these sort of difficult things, you know, which are, which are ingrained.
0: Yeah, they are ingrained because they, they are behaviours that are learned and it, it's that kind of cycle, isn't it, of, well, this is what my parents did with me, so I'm going to do that. With my kids, and it's not even—I don't even think it's a conscious thing of I'm going to do that with my kids. It's just a way of life, um, and I and I, I think that was definitely the case for when I was growing up. And that's not to say—I mean, I know we're talking about this in a way that's kind of making out as if our parents were brutal, but they weren't brutal. It was just the, you know, a slap you know, around the face, or or what have you, or. or in in some cases, it could be more brutal than that, but I, th- I think it was it was just a way. Of- it was yeah. of the
1: time, and, it, and it's you know it it was acceptable then. It's not acceptable now, you know. But equally, we're more educated now. We're or educated in a different way, and you know, and we're able to utilize the skills that we have now to, to motivate in a in a different way. And I, and it's 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 way more powerful now if if you get it right because we have these skills. And, you know and it's it's awesome it's it's awesome that we're you know we're able to identify the the fact that you know our child, children may be good at a thing um, the piano and we have the resources to give them that i never had the resources to play the saxophone or the drums which you know which i was reasonably proficient at in in school but i couldn't practice and so there was going to be a limit you know to what i could do and, you know, we understand ten thousand hours in Matthew Saeed now, and how he, you know, he wrote his book. And and you know, my kids are in a position where they can get some hours. You know, whether they'll make ten thousand or not, because there is so many different different options out there um, for children now, especially mine. But you know, but that that is what we're dealing with now. You know, and, and uh, a time when children have access to all sorts of things. And we have an understanding that we can put them in a certain position based on our own experiences and our efforts um, and even our affluence. So it's just a different life.
0: Indeed, indeed. And I think the advancement in technology as well absolutely helps with that in terms of accessibility and, and what you are able to do now. Moving on to your second way of keeping it real actually because I think that this is a nice segue into the, the next bit of the conversation where you wrote social mobility can play tricks on one's mind so ensuring that I have people around me who I have known since childhood is imperative why is that?
1: because I was a snotty nosed little boy that had holes in his shoes and his socks and you know and I remember yeah Pulling, you know, pulling that hole over so that my toe wasn't exposed through my trainers while I was trying to play football, you know, and it was just so difficult. It was so difficult and so those guys that I grew up with, those, you know, those friends of mine from that time, I want them around me. I want to remember, I want to be able to remember those times and be able to laugh and joke about those times and be able to go on a journey. Um, and some of those people are still around me. Some of them are not around me. But the memory, um, the way that we communicate, those people know me as I was then. And that is important. And then there are people, a bunch of people that knew me on the journey and there's a bunch of people that know me now. And I just think that when I decide that I want to go to shop in the West End or whatever shop I want to go to 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 buy my shoes or my clothes, that, you know, that one of my friends could say to me at one point, is, remember when, you know, mind yourself, you know, and all of those things that we would, you know, the way that we would communicate with each other because that is what keeps me firmly me, you know. Um, Because I don't think that people that I know... through the world of television They have no idea really Of how I grew up Who I was And you know And what may make me tick And The strange thing about that Is is, is uh, That I want You know I constantly want to be reminded And that might be a, 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 An issue for me But I I don't want to forget Where I came from And having those people around me And being able to look over my shoulder And see a, a familiar face you know it it means for me that if I get into a point that I need to know something that that voice is going to be the one that tells me it tells me it as if I'm the 12 year old boy or the you know from just from that space as opposed to that to trying to impress somebody else or you know and trying somebody's shopping in Harrods and so I'm going to shop in Harrods now and and now I feel really great. Well, you know, I can do that if I want. But equally, I can shop in North End Road Market and buy my apples from from there. That's that's cool.
0: So, when you talked about when you said the sentence, social mobility can play, can play tricks on one's mind. Is that because you are now in a place of affluence, I guess, to a certain extent, and? It sounds like what you've, what you 're just saying there is, is just remembering your roots and and making sure that by remembering your roots you 're staying grounded
1: absolutely and you know because because when you have when you can do things you know you know just being able to do a holiday so where do you, where do you then holiday how do you holiday you know what car do you buy how do you you know all of these things are things that are easily you know you can easily make yourself feel better about yourself but I don't think that I don't think that necessarily I am you know if I'm living at the, to- at the the limit of my means then all I'm doing for myself really is is trying to paint a picture of how I want somebody to see me or how I want p- other people in the world to see me and I don't need to impress the world you know I just need to do what's true to me back to the core values you know um which is which is why that's a, the overarching arc, 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 an idea, you know. Which, you know, if I if I've got ten thousand to buy a car, do I then buy a car for nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine? You know, that, that's a different. What would my mum say? And I, and I you know I know she'd say, why <laughs> mind yourself, you know. <laughs> Don't forget tomorrow then make sure that you've got something for tomorrow and so you know you may buy a car for six and keep four that's 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 sort of the sort of the mind my mindset you know and 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 I and definitely definitely people that I've met in telly there is not one person that I've met in telly that is from where I'm from you know and 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 so you know so it's easy it's easy for me to try and keep climbing up as opposed to just being comfortable with where I am and understanding what I've got is special.
0: And do you think that because, because it sounds like from what you've said already, that you were living in, I don't want to say the word poverty, because that makes it sound really, really bad, but that, you know, you weren't that well off and that has stayed with you because I can... I can relate to that a little bit in that when my mum was also a single parent and she couldn't read and write English. So for her to get a job was really difficult and her state of mind as well at the time were wasn't great because of the, the nature of, of how my mum and dad had split up. So we were kind of propelled into a world of claiming benefits and, and, and relying on the welfare state. And it was something that my mom had a lot of shame about. So there was always this sense of shame around money. And for me, it's very much a case of always remembering back to that time, because I never want to go back in terms of the, 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 not, not in terms of who I was with and my friends and so forth because I do have a couple of friends who I'm still in touch with from my childhood. But the general sense of I'm never going to go back to living that way so therefore I appreciate everything that I earn in terms of monetary value and, you know, I'm going to look after my money.
1: That's really... What what I'm hearing is is I'm hearing um, sort of... I don't know if it's pain or fear, and what I would say is that 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 I'm not like yes, it was poverty, it was poverty, um, and you know, and it feels so sort of serious. I, my mum's going to kill me, but I'm going to say this if my mum must not overhear this. Like it, I remember buying, we, we had milk tokens, and I remember you know there were a couple of times where I was sent to to buy cigarettes. With mill tokens, you know that's a that's a class thing. That's like that's where we were underclass, and I, there's nothing about that that I'm ashamed of at all. I and and while I do, I don't think that I'm ever gonna go back to that spot. I don't fear going back there at all. I've done that, and I think that that's the strength. I think that's the comfort levels that you know that you understand what it's like to be difficult in a difficult situation and, and, um, and it, doesn't, it doesn't scare me. I, mean, I remember I, in my football days I, I, we, went to a, we went out, we went night clubbing in Leeds and I, I was with a friend of mine and we had to share a room which in, its, in, in itself was a difficult thing to do. You know, two football players in one room I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Why aren't there more rooms in the hotel? But it was the only room we shared. It we got in the room and it was a double bed, and it was it was hilarious because he bought the he bought the room, he paid for the room, and he said and he bought me on the on the trip for you know for a laugh and and he said I'm not sleeping on the on the floor. We're gonna have to get we have to get sort something out. And there were no rooms in the hotel. And I said to him, It's fine. I'm gonna i sleep on the floor. And he said to me, You can't sleep on the floor. And I said, Why not? I slept. I spent half my childhood on the floor. So, all, immediately, you know, we had come from a similar place, you know. But he made it. You know, he was there. He's not sleeping on the floor. And I've, and I, and I, I see that as a as a as a challenge. I go, well, it's, it's no problem there. I sleep on the floor, you know. And so, I mean, I I feel like I can't lose. I feel like I can never lose because because I've experienced all of. The things that there are to experience, you know, lot or not all of the lots of things to experience, and and you put that in your bank, you put it in your mental bank, and you and you and you move on. So it's cool. It's like there's so many of those sort of little stories that you know one might listen to and it might sound morbid, but I absolutely love it, and it, and it just and it's what separates me from somebody else, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And actually, it's a really interesting mindset that you have around around that. And I, I, get, I get what you're saying to me in response to what I said around the whole fear thing. And yeah, you know, it, it, it absolutely is for me. And it, it's not that I'm afraid to sleep on the floor or, or you know, in, in terms of that kind of example that you've given. I, I think it's more around the freedom and independence that money can give you. Money isn't everything and money can't give you happiness and it can't buy you happiness. But it, it can give you freedom and independence in a way that can instill confidence in you as a person. And, and I think that's what's important for me and especially being a woman as well, I guess. And I think that's, that's, that's why I've asked that question in that way.
1: Yeah, no. I, let's, I, everybody's stories are unique, and and we all have our own way of of dealing with with any issues that come our way, you know. And it's and that's really important. It's really important that you share, that everybody shares, and and we learn and build from each other. Um, but, but as long as, long as as long as there's an outcome that you, you know, because the fears, whatever they are, and we all have them, you know, I've had them, re- you know, in recently, as long as we find a place to be able to stare them in the, in the face and, and move forward from them, as opposed to walk towards a problem, as opposed to running away from it. There's there's the real growth and the real learning. And, and, I, and I guess with any scenario that I have, that's what I want to be able to do. You know, I want to feel like there's a, an issue there, something that really worries me, something that I'm feeling uncomfortable about and walk towards it, not necessarily having answers and feeling comfort that I have an answer. And the thing that we go back to, the beginning thing, the values that my mum set me, I genuinely believe that that will see me, if all the bits that she said, all the bits that she did, good and bad, have set me on a path and therefore I can deal with you know, in, in the darkness, any, any any fear that I have is I can deal with it because I've got those, you know, all of those values that she gave me.
0: I think that kind of moves us nicely on to your third way of keeping it real, which you wrote to me was, work as hard as I can. The system as I understand it requires me to work twice as hard as my white counterparts in order to professionally move forward.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, um, it's really interesting that, it's really, really interesting because I find that that's what I've had to do. Um, And I think about my children, um, and I don't know what it means for you as a female, but there are so many sort of subsections to any group and I feel like my daughter won't necessarily need to think like that or as, that it won't be as poignant to her as it will be for my son because I think that young black men or males have a slightly more difficult time. I think that young, my children are mixed heritage, so um, I think that my, my son will always be seen as that little black boy regardless of his 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 mixture. So... Um, so, therefore, he will be seen as you know. If he grows to be beyond six foot, which I'm sure he will, he'll be seen how I believe the world saw me, and um, and that that meant it was a negative. It was negatively, and therefore, I have to work twice as hard to be seen. I have to work twice as hard to be heard. I have to work twice as hard to be um, understood and, and believed in. You know, and there were people in my life like my my sunday football coach who saw me and understood me um and never saw anything else just the person that i was and there when i when in professionally when i was going for jobs you know did did the person that was interviewing in me when i was you know when i had dreadlocks down to my bum were were they seeing me or were they seeing what they believe to be, you know, this young black guy with dreadlocks and, oh, is he a Rastafarian? Is, you know, all of these preconceived ideas that people have are coming out. And so I have to, I believed, and I did, I believed I did, I believe I still do, work twice as hard as many of my counterparts to be in the same place. And I'm lucky if I'm in the same place.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's a conversation that I've heard countless times now through doing this podcast and I'm still very early days in the podcast in terms of people I've spoken to but it's it's a recurring theme with with many of the the guests I've spoken to and I I can I can understand it from a woman's perspective in terms of that kind of that working that little bit harder um and and it's interesting because i was i had this conversation earlier this year with a group of women and i had said that actually my the way that i look in terms of how fair my skin is i'm I, i'm british indian but i do have fair skin and i'm not mixed race i'm 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 full indian <laughs> and the thing is, I have a Western name, a Western forename, and and that my surname is pronounced Rye. So when you say Tanya Rye over the phone and nobody sees you, what are the preconceptions that that person on the other end of the phone immediately has about who I am? And I, I had admitted, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but I, I had admitted that Actually, I think it works in my favour having a British or a Western forename and having fair skin. And I'm not saying that I've made waves in the industry because I haven't, but I, I do think it has helped me navigate the media world to the extent that I've been in it and um, and immersed myself in it i think it's easy i think
1: it's really easy to to sort of navigate to a point and there's there are there are touch points there are touch points with things like names where it then the 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 unconscious is is awoken the subconscious in in somebody is awoken and and you know and a name is one of those things you know, that enables somebody to put you in a in a box, you know, and, you know, and I, I've been the victim of that. You know, I've been, look, I've been the victim of positive discrimination. I think that, I think it was attractive for people to have me at 25, 24, 25, working for them as, a, as the runner and as the production assistant and as the production secretary, and, you know, because... I was just a football player and everybody wants to know what was that like and how does it live and so I definitely was the product of positive discrimination until I then had to look after people's money and that is when it changed and, and so not so not necessarily that production manager jobs were difficult to come by but certainly production exec jobs you know I was never invited to any of those sorts of jobs um, never invited to any head of, head of production jobs and and that's when the fight really really started um but but you know what we're dealing with is is really difficult because it's it's not stuff that you can you can see um you you know you have to feel it and understand it and be the victim of it a number of times before you can understand how it works and you know and just just the way that I've applied myself just enables me to to do well when I finally got a position you know and and that's the bit that I need to teach the kids you know and that's what we need to be teaching young people that while it's it shouldn't be the case it is the case and therefore make sure that you're prepared to do that because there there has to be a way of determining one from another you know and, and that is in the work if the work's great the work's, if the work's on point and it does what it's supposed to do and nobody has an excuse to, um, to diminish one's work um, or not accept one's work, then, then you're able to move forward.
0: That's the thing, isn't it? That work does actually speak for itself. And when I was looking through your history in terms of career... And, and what you've been able to do, and, and the the kind of contracts you've moved from, it it appears that you have been able to navigate that really well, despite the fact that you've had to work that extra bit harder. And I wonder whether there were periods in your career, and obviously you don't have to go into detail with this, but were there periods in your career where you came up against a brick wall or you thought, oh, how am I going to overcome this one? Or has this happened because of my race? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, it's really, it's really difficult. I, um, I, set a, I helped set a business up and, uh, and was doing a good job. And a new partner came in and deemed me surplus to requirements, you know, and and I had to you know, and I had to move on. But when I when he came in, I could feel the shift. I could see where the moves were going, you know, and and I was aware of what was gonna what was gonna happen. And I prepared myself for that. You know, um, and, it, and I, but I knew it didn't matter how hard I worked that my face just was not the face that he wanted. You know, coming in there was no need to change what was happening there. There was no, there was absolutely no need. I was working for what was below my rate because I was working for I was doing work for somebody that I knew, and I thought you know he had come to me really early on, and I said look you know if I'm around then we we'll, we can talk and we'll do this, and I and I committed to that. You know, as we went on, things didn't work out the way that I'd hoped them to work out, the way that I'd wanted them to work out. But it's what it is, and and the most important thing is to not wallow in that. Is to you know to when you've seen it, you've recognised it, you understand it. You it's pointless being uh, wallowing in any self pity. You've picked yourself up and you go again. You go again, and and these all of these sorts of things, these small things, make up the. The, the overall experience you have You know um, Because telly is pretty Oxbridge You know I know people talk about the BBC As a bit Oxbridge But I came into a world where everybody had degrees And I was, the, I was the least educated Out of everybody that I worked with And felt that for years Felt that for way over 10 years And had to find a comfort level You know, which may have taken me, you know, a a bit more than 10 years to actually feel comfortable with. And now I'm totally comfortable with that, you know, but I now, you know, I'm comfortable with that because of because I understand what the value set is that actually the piece piece of paper doesn't determine who you are. You can still you can have that piece of paper and still be still not be a very nice person, you know, or still not be very good or still not be very open minded. And it's, it's those bits, you know, it's those bits that actually make the person and, and make the value. So, um, so that's, you know, that's why it's, it's, it's really important to, to, to work hard and, 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 and to have the experiences one by one, really feel the emotion, feel the, the, understand, make sure you understand what is actually happening when any decisions are made about you as an individual. And, and that way, you can stay on top of on top of what people are thinking.
0: Well, it seems like you are trusted now because you've been head of production at Red Bull Media for quite some time. And what what has that been like? What what's what's the transition been like over lockdown? I'm quite interested to to hear more about that as well.
1: It's. I've been at Red Bull for three and a half years now, and it's. Um, it's afforded me something different, you know, because I was really keen. I, I was keen to move into short form and I moved to, to I started to move into short form, I would say, um, and I was trying to find my feet and my space and I, was, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do branded content or, or commercials and, you know, and I was, how do I make that bit work? Um, and a couple of friends of mine were at Red Bull and they needed some support in their department. Um, and so I went in and interviewed that, and that was a four-month, four-interview process over four months, which felt ridiculously long to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, and we did have that; we did speak about that. Um, but I got the job, and and I've worked as hard as I can work, and and I was really keen to learn how the corporate space worked because it's very different to the to the um, to the commercial to the uh, in the freelance space. You know, I'm working with people that have been in the business for 10 years plus. Um, and, you know, and there's a way of doing things. And what I do is try to, I try to remember, I don't, I don't believe that I'm an untouchable. You know, I work as if I'm a freelancer still to this day. And I enjoy working that way. Um, I, know, I know I'm not, and I, you know, but... But it's really important to me to to not feel that those comfort levels because I don't believe I do my best work if I feel comfortable. So, so my thing for me as a person is always pushing forward, always trying to be better. How you know? Are there different ways of doing things? Are there different companies? Who should I be speaking to? What you know? Am I am I growing? Am I growing? Who there can teach me? You know, and and. When does my learning stop? And you know, and I do not want it to stop. And and I want people to be, I want people to to be to be challenging me. And that might be somebody three or four levels below saying, "Can you help me with this?" You know, uh, what do you know about that? And uh, you know, that could be somebody just writing in as as they do cold and saying, "Oh, I would love to work for Red Bull. The stuff you do is amazing." You know, and and uh, you know going back to the values I, remember I i as a football player wrote to 92 league clubs at one point when i was unemployed and two came back to me and so i remember how that felt that the, just a the non response and so for me it's really important that if somebody emails me um that i try my best and invariably always go back to responding to them in one way or another sometimes it's just a quick phone call to say listen I've read your email I see what you want I can't help you we can't help you we don't work in that way we don't have that um, but thanks for for calling maybe you should try this company and this company and this company now if I was twenty two, twenty three, and I'd written to Red Bull and somebody from the company rings me back even to say no thank you that's powerful you know that's powerful and that's what You know, sometimes that's what I can bring. That's what I can give somebody. That's what somebody can walk away from and say, you know, mum, I wrote to Red Bull and they called me back and they said this and they said that. And, you know, this really nice guy. And, And it just gives them that little thing. And just responding even three lines back in an email to just say, listen, we're not looking for that role at this time or we're not making stuff internally. It goes to our partners. But these are three or four different companies that we work with. Go and try them. Then at least there's been a response, and and that is what I, you know, that's how I sort of see the power of of what I, you know, the brand that I work for, and you know, and the privilege that 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 has, and the privilege it's afforded me.
0: That's brilliant to hear, and I, and I think it's great that you've taken the time out to do that for someone else, um, in terms of you know giving them that feedback even if it's a no because yeah i i agree with you i think it is powerful and it means that their efforts have been recognized and acknowledged even if they've not been successful which i think is is an important thing to do rather than just blanket ignore everyone because it's not helpful for sure well i think that's come to a natural end of our conversation gus thank you so much for Talking to me today, thoroughly enjoyed the the chat.
1: Thank you for the invite. Thank you for the time, and keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing, and um, I will be sharing um, some of your poems with my daughter, and that will be some time that we spend together and try to tackle that difficult conversation that a father has to have with his daughter when it comes to relationships.
0: <laughs> oh well, I, I'm glad that that's going to be of use. And um, just be mindful that I I'm, I swear in my poems. So... It's all good. that's all good. OK, all right, that's fine. Thank you very much, Gus. You take care.
1: Thank you, Tanya. Take care.
0: I truly hope that you have enjoyed listening to this episode of The Diversity of Me, Keeping It Real with me, Tanya Rye. If you did, please do take the time out to rate, review and subscribe only because it helps other people find this podcast more easily. And if you had enjoyed it and found it beneficial, then maybe somebody else will too.